Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 70 of the Uncapped Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. Joining us this week, we have Lynn Pernovis from Union Craft Brewing, who um, she wears two hats as the operation manager and the cask ninja. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So uh, another awesome thing is that when the next Uncapped magazine comes out, Lynn will be on the cover. She's part of the cover story that uh, our friend Liz Murphy from Naptown Pint wrote um, looking a little bit into the women who make up the cra- of the craft beer scene in Maryland. And so Lynn was nice enough to drive out so she could do a quick photo shoot and to talk to us and teach me a little bit more about cask making. Yeah, cask making. <laughs> but uh, first, I think let, we'll just start the way I start with everyone else. How'd you get into brewing? Um, well, it started as an internship and wasn't meant to be anything more than that. Um, long story short, I took the six-year route in college, and once I was done playing sports, I really felt like I needed time or needed something to consume that time, so I thought an internship would be perfect. My last year was when Union was start, first opening, and it kind of just fell into place really nicely. Are you, did you grow up in Maryland? Uh, yeah, for the most part, okay. Southern Maryland. What what sports did you play in college? Um, in college, just softball. Okay, cool. That's my my daughter has been talking about wanting to try softball lately. She's very clumsy, so I'm not sure <laughs> how that how that'll work out. So swimming, she's able to do because you just kind of have to stay straight. But I don't know after actually aiming at something and running with coordination and catching. So, had you had an interest in? beer beforehand other than just drinking or is it like no like that just seemed like a cool place to get an internship yeah I just thought you know like chemistry background they're a startup you know if I could get it accredited through my department and get like co-op hours that it'd be a cool thing to have like hey I I did this cool thing and I'm also trying to do that and once I really started working there and realized that I could have an impact and that you know I could be employee number one so I started pursuing that, and six years later, here I am. <laughs> so, so uh, almost on a whim, now has become a career. Yep. So, are you you're officially employee number one? Yep. I didn't know that. Cool. Um, I am definitely not employee number one here. That's you know, lots of people. Um, so let's talk about cask making, because uh, in my mind. For the longest time, it was simply just throwing some ingredients into a metal container. And through the years, I've come to the realization that I'm completely off base with that thought and that it must be way more complicated because every brewery has, at least once they reach a certain size, they have a dedicated person that is doing their cask program. So can you teach us a little bit bit about cask making? Yeah. um, So... Cast making, yes, you are adding more ingredients into a container. It's supposed to be a secondary fermentation. You're supposed to use that secondary fermentation and allow it to force carb itself. Um, now with, you know, ingredient choices, you know, I've really struggled in the beginning, like trying to figure out the right form of the ingredient. So like using like whole fruits, like like 
whole peaches or, you know, strawberries or whatever really just wasn't doing it. And I came to realize, you know, the raw form of the ingredient, you're getting most of the sugar out of it, not really flavor. So trying to find a way, a natural way to get that flavor condensed and, you know, not have so much sugar because with cast making, you want to prime it, right? Well, you have to know how much sugar is in there. Otherwise, if you're not there and then like the bung pops out, like you've lost your product, you know? So that was a challenge trying to figure out, okay, when should we put it in the cold box? Because where I work, we don't have a temperature controlled cellar. So like summertime, I'm like, all right, two to three days, throw it in the cold box, let it condition, reabsorb that CO2. But in the winter time, it's more like a five to seven day process, depending on how cold it is or how the days are going to go. I'm always looking at the weather with this stuff. So if if the fermentation goes out of control or something, it will literally just ex- yeah. explode, not right. completely explode. But Right. So like knowing how much sugar you put in there from the ingredients that you're adding, plus the priming sugar, that's a fun little game to play. Um, and then, of course, time and rate of fermentation, because... For a while in the summer, I was like, why Why are they popping so much? Like, I'm using less sugar, I'm using less X, Y, and Z, and I just came to realize, like, duh, you know? It's fermenting so quickly, but it's sitting at a temperature where CO2 does not want to be absorbed into the solution. So I was like, okay, no shit. This needs to go in the cold box so the CO2 will want to go back into solution. The, um, do you, so it was recently I had a raspberry something I should remember because I think it was, like, just last week. Um, Raspberry they, Pro? <laughs> no, it wasn't, but that's all. That's really good too. Um, it, it was, and they said they used uh, frozen raspberries because the the freezing process and then thawing out breaks down the cell walls and imparts more flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you use a lot of frozen fruit, or does that? It all depends. It all depends on what type of fruit, whether it's stone fruit, citrus fruit. Like citrus, all I do is I got this nifty little zester now, so I'm not like you know, nicking my fingers all day and not getting like the whites under there that you don't want to have in- included in the cast. But um, I got this zester. So every citrus fruit, I zest it and, you know, weigh it out like what I th- think would be balanced because that's the other problem with cast making is you want it balanced. You want the flavor to be there, but you also don't want it to be overpowering. So I try to operate on the lesser side of things. That way, if you don't taste it, it's still drinkable. You know, it all depends on also the person drinking the cask because some people like walk into it thinking it's going to be a flavor like, you know, cherry bomb or whatever. And then there's like surprise that it may not be that way or that it's a little less carbonated or it's served a little bit warmer, which some people aren't used to. Yeah, that that's um, I've never been a huge fan of casks. And for some of those reasons why you've listed like I'm, I'm I, li- I like cold beverages. So. Mm-hmm. Like some places, it's definitely a little, and it's mainly the carbonation. Like I love carbonated drinks, yeah. And so, like the lower carbonation of casks kind of turn me off a little bit. But I still, when I'm someplace, usually there's such interesting mixtures of ingredients added in that I typically wanna I wanna try them. Yeah. So what is um, what base beer do you use the most often for your casks at Union? Um, that's actually a tough question. Um, it's more seasonally driven, if you will. Like the summertime, a shit ton of old pro casks go out the door. You know, wintertime, a shit ton of snow pants casks. Uh, whenever double ducks around, people gobble that up. It, it all really depends because 
you know, in the beginning when I was making casts, like people were all about duck pin, duck pin, duck pin, but now it kind of seems like they're like, oh, well, we've had enough of that. You know, we can get it on draft anywhere. New. Like, yeah, let's let's spice it up a bit. So is it harder to do something like a snow pants that has a lot heavier, more co- like stronger flavors than an old pro that's no. maybe not delicate, but like a has... I guess I, it seems like that would be easier to layer flavors onto than like what a snow pants would. Well, I mean, like sometimes, like I'll sit there and I'll be like, "How can I mimic the barrel aged version?" So, like, okay. I'll turn around and I'll add some vanilla, and then I'll soak some oak chips in bourbon. You know, keep some chips not soaked in it so that you can still get the oakiness. Because for a minute, I was soaking all the oak chips in like whatever whiskey or wine or whatever, and I was like, "Well, why am I not getting the oak flavor?" And I'm like, "Duh, do half and half." Yeah. <laughs> The um, the pajama was the pajama pants at Love Thy Beer, a cask or was it regular? I think it was regular. It, whatever it was, it, the pajama pants that was at the Love Thy Beer event was really good. You like that? Yeah, yeah. I I had my hand in that one too. Uh, it was very good. My wife loved it. She drank a lot of that because I was the designated driver, so she got to enjoy much more of it. Good. Than it's I was a pain in the to. butt to make, so <laughs> please enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, that that was one of the um ones I heard a lot of people talking about that they really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably wouldn't, It pro- I, my guess is that probably would have won if it wasn't for the story around Old Mothers. Uh, I can't remember what they called it this year, but <clears throat> last year was called Tainted Love, and they used Castorium, so they told the old beaver yeah. extract story. So <laughs> I, think, I think the added story, I mean, it's a really good beer, but I think the added story helps a lot with that one winning. Yeah. So do you do do you do brewing there um, also or I you... was brewing but now it's more I take care of the beer once it's done. So okay. whether it's a special project may it be cast making or coffee or tea infusions or barrel aging I'm more like back of the house if you will with that. Um and then I'm just like overseeing production and writing schedule and just making sure that everything's making sense. Cool. Um in one place that you can always, if not always, definitely very often get Union Beer in Frederick is Roast House Pub. Yes. So we should thank them again for their support of the Uncapped Podcast. And you should definitely go to, right now they have Rye Baby on tap, which is an amazing beer. Um, I love the logo for it. But then I, I looked and on deck they have some more Rye Baby. And then I think there was some Double Duck Pin, which is always a favorite of because that was just re- yeah. within the last couple of weeks just came back out yeah we do it um quarterly so the dates i try to hit are uh, april 15th may 15th um the fall one is a little bit wonky because we always try to line it up with gabf and try to okay. make sure it's fresh so that's the only outlier and then um november 15th so everyone should go to Roast House Pub and get some Rye yeah. Baby right now and then look at the Digital Pour app and see what's on deck for Union because I know there were several different Union beers on deck for there. Um, and thank you again, Roast House Pub, for your support. Yeah, thank you. What um, what went into the gin version of Old Pro? So, or it was an older pro, right? Yeah, yeah, it's an older pro. It's not the norm where we throw it in wine barrels and you know add whatever fruit we're feeling. Um, this one, I worked closely with Eli. He's the, um, um, what's the term you use for, 
um, spirit makers, um, D- distiller, master distiller. Yeah, master distiller. Sorry, um, not too hard into hard liquor, but I worked alongside with him because it was his gin barrels and it was his shock tower um, gin that we were trying to like parallel with and mimic. So I got with him. I tried to figure out how to make like a a tea, if you will, with all the botanicals and stuff that he uses in his original shock tower gin, and I um, did my best to you know extract those flavors and then. Um, infuse that back into the barrel oh cool yeah there's um i really enjoyed their gin we had them on a little while ago and funny enough that's um monday so a quick preview of what's coming up uh max from uh baltimore whiskey company will be coming on because they have a rye whiskey coming yeah. out that's the first rye whiskey uh, distilled in i think he said 85 years in baltimore Mm-hmm. So tying into Rye Baby, which who who did the artwork for Rye Baby? Hmm, I believe that was um, Monica. Um, she was an intern. Um, I'm not very good on right. the marketing design side of things. So I don't want to misspeak on this. Okay, because I that that's one of my favorite cans and beer logos. So so you are you laying out the whole the production schedule and determining what's made? Uh, um, Yes and no. Like, um, I'm always, you know, on top of our core four, the stuff that's year round. And I have my dates that I need to hit for the seasonal transitions um, and like anniversary brews and whatnot. Um, But we always have um, new beer projects meetings. We're pretty good about that. Brainstorming um, when we want to brew something. If something's brand new that's coming to the table, I'm like, give me a month's notice so I can make sure that we have tank and and make sure that the right people are getting the right ingredients and whatnot. But for the most part, you know, day in and day out operations, I'm writing schedule. I'd like to put in a request for Neon Vision to be made with some sort of fruit in it. Okay, I'll, I'll relay that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can make that happen, that'd be great. I mean, it would, the name lends itself right into adding a color into it. So you could, the color of the fruit. Yeah. You can use all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I enjoyed That was a great, another great beer. That, Thank you. Um, and then, so when we had uh, Adam on and he brought the amazing peach tea time. Peach, everyone loves peach. It was so, it was so good. And he... He mentioned that it had been developed by Lynn. And at that time, I was like, okay, I have to talk to Lynn then because this is absolutely amazing. And even when he went to open, he was like, I'm not 100% sure what this is because it was unlabeled. He's like, but if you know anything, you know the the unlabeled cans are always the best. (laughs) So um, how did you come up with the idea for Tea Time? Well, um, it started out as cask um, experiment. Um, We've been doing a lot of cold brew stuff and – it's just such a pain in the butt to do, um, and it takes a long time relative to, like, making tea, and I didn't really know much about tea. I didn't really see anything out other from, like, the random, like, Earl Grey here or there. Uh, so I started looking into tea and trying to understand proper temperature, proper contact time, um, and then proper, you know, concentrations. So, so whenever I do a special project, I always start at the pint glass level. I don't just think that, hey, this is going to work out, you yeah. know, because... It's not always great. So I came across these really cool, like, um, teas that had, like, the peach, the wild berry. So then I just, you know, in cask form or in um, growler size, I just created a, 
a layout of them for them to try because I've been doing them in cask and thought they were great. My first cask I made actually kind of sucked because I realized I didn't concentrate it enough. I was just going off of rates that I was reading off the internet and realized that the ratio of beer to tea was not good and that's why it came out a little flat. But so I condensed that, concentrated that more and more to a, you know the flavor where you wouldn't want to drink it as like a normal cup of tea. But I figured out a way to make it balanced with the beer and got the guys together and I was like hey what do you think and then they were like put it in a can <laughs> <laughs> so is it the, the like tea ingredients added into the beer or are you are you making like actual tea yeah I'm or? making a, an extremely concentrated tea okay um so um I've learned that you know less contact is better because when you just let the tea sit in there for too long and by too long I mean over two minutes you start to extract a lot of tannins and the bitterness and stuff that certain people don't like when it comes to tea. Um, and also the temperature range. So I always shoot around 170. And it's pretty easy relative to, like I keep talking about cold brew and how much of a pain in the butt it is. <laughs> but it's relatively easy. So how is the is the tea made like in the the brew kettle or no 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 no, no. this is this is separate okay. yeah i'm not a tea master here okay. <laughs> <laughs> the um what is uh actually i think i already asked what your favorite base beer to work with oh pro by far uh, is it okay yeah i love Oprah. oh no i asked you what was harder or easier yeah uh why old pro just because you, you i'm just a sour head it... i love the beer um i think like with most people like when i first started drinking beer I was really into the darker stuff, the roasty, nutty stuff, because that was the most familiar to me. And then once I started understanding, like, the bitterness, the hoppiness, I got really into being, like, a hophead, and now I'm over it, and all I want sours. So I, I, I get, do you think, do you hear that a lot? Is that just the normal progression for everyone? Because I feel like I'm kind of, although I, I don't know that I'll ever stop being a hophead, I still want every new IPA that comes out. But I've definitely, in the past, I've never liked sours, but... I think maybe I never had a like a really good one or it, there I mean, it are all so depends. many now that I think maybe I'm just being exposed to a lot more um so maybe my palate has become more accustomed to them and I cuz I I, lo- I love every time I see some someone with a new sour I want to try that yeah. also. I mean it took me 2 years to like old pro. Now it's I can't get enough of it. It all <laughs> depends. I a lot of people that I know that gotten into drinking they they do reach this peak where all they want are just like the hoppiest, you know, IPA, double IPA th- like thing that you can get. That happens to a lot of people. Um, from my understanding, when you're first getting into craft beer, it's just about familiar flavors and what you personally like. And if you already like, you know, IPAs and bitter stuff, then you're good to go. But I mean, it depends on the consumer and what their, you know, experiences are. So that so of. Um so it was Double Duck Pin at one time your favorite then? At one time, yeah. And then, oof, I learned what an 8% beer feels like. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, I think Raging Bitch was probably the first uh, really strong beer that my wife experienced. And w- we went to an event, and she had no idea how strong it was when we got home. And she's like, I don't understand what's wrong. I, I am way more drunk than I thought I'd be. I only had like four or five beers. Oh, God. And I'm like, well, what were you drinking? And she was like, raging bitch. I was like, no, you had like eight or ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole one shot equals a pint of beer doesn't exactly equate in craft beer. Yeah. Um, so how how's the um, 
expansion and move coming along? Oh, it's coming. Um, we got tanks in. They're standing. Um, they're not hooked up like together yet. Yeah. That's the next phase. Uh, it's going to be interesting. We have a, a bunch of Germans coming overseas that we're going to hang out with for six weeks while they help us install and learn how to use this monster. Um, it's completely different from the brew house we have now. It's much more efficient, fully automated for the most part, whereas ours is not nearly as efficient and pretty much manual. <laughs> so is it um, like the you load a recipe on yeah. a computer and hit a button yeah. and it does its thing? I think one of the most manual parts of the new brew house will be loading the hop guns for the boil additions. Is it the um, is it like the same system that Trogues has? Yes, okay. Brocon. Yeah, that that's an impressive brew house. Yeah, it's yeah, it's big. So is um, I saw video of the tanks being delivered. Mm -hmm. Are, is the has the brew house been delivered mm -hmm. now too? Okay, so yeah. all the shiny metals in place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just with anything, you know, you got hiccups everywhere. We had to, we thought that we had all of our T's crossed and I's dotted, and then brew house showed up, and we were like, crap. The wall that we originally built is not big enough for one oh, no. piece of equipment to get in, so we had to bust a <laughs> hole through the wall, and then we got to repatch that up. The little um, little silly things. Yeah, just knocking down a wall. I'm a just waiting for what's <laughs> going to happen next. <laughs> now, it, I I would assume the plan is to have crossover oh, between yeah. the two oh, yeah. breweries. A big no-no is to just close one down and open up the next, because uh, you still got to make you got to figure out how to make everything taste the same. Like, hopefully, we can get it in one or two brews, but because it's more efficient, you know, like think about something as simple as like having a, a gas stove and then you switch over to electric and you burn your bacon. And that's a simple like form of it, but it's still like when it comes to uh, beer making, um, the hot side is pretty important. So like what I'm trying to say is like at our current brew house, we do a 90 minute boil. Mm -hmm. and let's just talk about a beer like Duck Pen where you start hopping with 50 minutes left, 30 minutes left, blah, blah, blah. Well, the new brew house is only going to be 60 minutes, so you can't expect to hop it the same with 50 minutes left. You know what I mean? It doesn't translate. Now, the uh, efficiencies like that, where do they come from? Is it the type of heat yeah, of the, it's, the kettle? Yeah, it's or the it? better design and ingenuity of the equipment that you're using. Okay. So that, that I guess the, um, I mean, it's efficiencies right in the name, but I guess I would save like a decent amount of money oh, yeah. in heating. Eventually, the, yeah, like less like brew time. You know, hopefully less, you know, raw ingredients need to be used to acquire the same flavors. We'll see. So I imagine that is looking ahead probably somewhat of a logistical nightmare for yeah, you. Yeah, people are like, are um, you so excited? And I'm like, I'll be excited when it's when all this is one. done. Yeah, Because <laughs> that's got to be quite a juggling act for you to make sure. Yeah, and I've never done it before. And I'm pretty sure none of my other fellow coworkers have gone through an expansion like this before, so it'll be interesting. What um is there is there a projected date that you um, all are using still, or is it just when things start to go right and <laughs> everything's in place? Um, in terms of brewing, I think we're gonna start brewing within the next month, two months. Oh wow, um, nice. In terms of like actually operating there and like letting people come in, I think our target date is the anniversary party oh, as cool. for as That's, the grand opening. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully hit that because that would be absolutely perfect. I think we should be able to hit that. <laughs> yeah, because that's not until what, August, right? Or um, end of July. So close. I was yeah. close. I was almost yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it fluctuates. It's Usually it's either the last week in July, first week in August, depending on what's going okay. on. Yeah, I um, 
I'm always torn that that your anniversary is the same day as um, Monocacy. Uh, I thought you were going to say fish. And I was like, oh, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I end up staying just staying in Frederick and going to their anniversary parties but some year I need to I, w- I wish I would have gone this year because I really like the glasses that were that you guys had at the anniversary party well we have some uh we have some projects up our sleeves so if you can I'd make this next uh, anniversary party that sounds pretty uh convincing <laughs> so what um do you have any exciting beers short term coming up that you can talk about Mm, not exactly so you, you do but you can't talk about yeah them. yeah uh i mean we're we're working on a a new ipa if you will so we'll see where that'll fit in um not quite sure yet also not sure how much i can talk about it so i just want to stop yeah <laughs> and then uh, eventually a version of neon vision with fruit in it yeah that's what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> what um what is your favorite aspect of working at a brewery um, the team mentality and how it's mentally and physically challenging. Like, um, so like I was talked about how I didn't plan on being in, within the brewing industry. Um, prior to that plan or idea, I thought be a pharmacist, but then I thought like having to walk into a hospital or like a Walmart every day sounds like it sucks. And I just, <laughs> that's just not for me. Like, you know, being an athlete, I'm like, I like being in the hustle and bustle, but like still being like mentally challenged. Yeah, and I, I wonder if people really grasp exactly how physically demanding it's very a, physically a brewery demanding. is. Because, yeah. like, I, a couple of weeks ago, I brewed a beer with Monoxy Brewing that will be coming out mid, at the same time as the magazine, when the magazine comes out. Mm-hmm. The, we'll have a beer that comes out. And, I mean, I, I barely helped. But I was still sore and exhausted. <laughs> and I mean, I'm old, but it's still so sore afterwards. And I barely, I, I mean, did maybe a quarter of what the brewer was doing. So like, yeah. I couldn't imagine doing like, some. You know, all of our stuff, like pulling bags, each bag's 55 pounds. We don't have a silo yet. So manually milling in a beer for like Chessie is really fun, especially if you have to do it at least twice in a day, you know. Um, at one point when I was milling in, I had some pretty strong shoulders. I got a little soft since then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I guess the new brewery will have a silo. Yeah. And we'll still have foam. to mill in specialty malts and, like, smaller malts, but um, it'll be nice to be able to weigh out what you want and just push a button. Cool. Um, so of all of the current trends in craft beer, what is your favorite? What would you like to see more of? Um... That's a hard question. Um, just more sour stuff. That's I mean, that's all you're gonna be able to get out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily that seems to be where things are headed, so I sh- you should be happy there. And what what's one trend you'd like to see go away? Mm, I'm not fond of this whole hazy IPA business. That seems to be such a divisive uh, style. Do you mean the style itself or like the culture and hype around it. All the above. Okay. <laughs> See, I can still, I, I love hazy IPAs just as much as, um, as a sour or I, I'm, I'm mainly just not, I'm not big in the stouts and things, although I'm starting to appreciate them again. Um, it was XL. T- 290. Two, yeah. That was a hazy IPA, right? Or was that just a stronger? <sighs> 
yeah yeah it, it was it was, was hazy um um part of my blanking towards the end of last year we had a bunch of ipas one had lactose in it and i'm trying to remember which one that was i don't think it was the xl290 yeah xl290 didn't have lactose i don't think at least didn't taste like it did you can tell how not into happy yeah. stuff i am right now <laughs> <laughs> you're like i have no answers for any yeah. of these questions <laughs> just stop talking about it the ipas are stupid <laughs> Yeah. What what is your uh, favorite non-union Maryland beer? Well, it's now a tie. For the longest time, it was Firestone's Parabola, but now it's a tie between their Parabola and their Bredeweiss. I don't think I've had either of those. Mm. I got to try Bredeweiss for the first time at GABF 2014, and that's where I fell in love with it. But that's not a Maryland beer. Right. So what's your no? What's your favorite Maryland? Uh, actually, I probably did say it wrong. What's your favorite Maryland non-union beer? Uh, I don't know why I restrict it to Maryland. Just probably because it's something I would definitely have had. But I'm trying to think. Um, I like some of the sour stuff that RAR is doing. I'm blanking on the names right now. The one of the recent ones was Man Feelings. Which was really good. My my wife hates sour beers though. She told me that one was disgusting. I told her she <laughs> yeah. was wrong. But it was that was a really good one. Um so Union has done a few collaborations re in recently and I'm sure over the years a lot of them. Who's one what's one brewery that you'd like to do a collaboration with that you haven't yet? Firestone Walker. <laughs> <laughs> well that was easy. I'd, um have anything else you want to talk about or anything coming up you want to? Uh, nothing I can talk about that uh. I would like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Thanks and for having Driving me. all the way out to Frederick. I can't wait to come out and check out the new facility when it's hit. Hey, wait, is that, are any of the other parts of the collective close to opening? Uh, I believe earth tracks would be the first. Okay. And they, they were, like really soon they're supposed to be open, yeah right? yeah i i'm understand i think it's in a month okay that's what i thought like i remembered it being like really close to the beginning of the yeah. year it was and then baltimore whiskey company is probably close in there too right yeah i think we will we will probably be one of the the last established companies within the building cool all right well once again thank you for uh coming out here and spending time with us and Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.